Welcome to the Mining Podcast, brought to you by Salinas, providing solutions for value advantage and your customers. In today's podcast, Larry Anderman and Paul Ballack will discuss the applications around our AMPS polymers and the dynamic ways in which you can bring value to your customer. Okay, guys, thank you for joining today. Um, what I'd like to cover today is polymers and, in general, the new product introduction uh, with our polymer type and coagulant type uh, products that we've introduced in just recent times, and specifically the AMPS acrylamide copolymers that are now in our product line. And we've seen some initial success with those products that give value to our customers. So, we're going to the next slide. Um, anything that I do, I like to give a purpose, a process, a payoff, and a call to action. So it's to really get you comfortable with the products that we have in our pipeline that's coming out of mining R&D or uh, products like the AMPS copolymers that we brought into the product line where we think that they can give some value to our customers. So the process, it's how you do things and how we're going to explain the new product introductions. Um, and it's typically the emphasis uh, will be on the poly amps and polyacrylamide copolymers. But we'll also talk about the importance of selecting the right charge density, uh, the polymer examples that we've done in some of the local refineries and mills and polymer knowledge, uh, what things affect them, what types of mining segments do they enter, and where are the polyamps most effective. Uh, performance observations is always a good way to talk about the capabilities of those new products. And then we just want to talk about and make you aware of any competitive products and some of the calculations that you can use to talk to your customer about the return on investment. And the payoff is, of course, getting business and growing the mining um, business for you know, the IWT, but more importantly, to help you uh, become a little bit more familiar and open the door uh, in mining, make yourself more comfortable in mining and open doors in mining such that you can sell other products to that same vendor or word of mouth may help uh, other people realize that you have good products and a good uh, ability to service those products. So the call of action is simple. Uh, what we'd like you to do is perhaps take some of this knowledge or even talk to us after the fact offline and try to bring some of these products out into the uh, market segment. So the agenda. I won't cover all of it, I won't read it, but uh, it's pretty simple. We're going to you know, get you uh, introduced to the new products, um, talking about the new products in the co-polymers, but we'd also like to, to investigate and ask questions of you guys if you think other products within this product line uh, could be useful in the mining segments. And I'll get a little bit more into that later. Uh, we want to cover, uh, you know, where are these uh, polymers used in the industry, and specifically some of the key things that you need to know uh, what to ask about when you're trying to bring in these polyamps products. And then the metrics and criteria for success, competitors, and so on. 
So new product introduction. Um, this is our lifeline because this is going to open the door for us. Salinas is not known for mining, at least in part. Uh, other companies like SciTech, Nalco, Camara, uh, S&F, uh, they have been in mining for quite some time, but we're getting a good uh, toehold in mining. All of the regions are doing very well. And Paul has said, you know, good news. We're doing very good in mining, but these new products would will go from good to great in the sense that we're constantly bringing value to the customer with these new and innovative products. So it's, when you're talking about the new product introduction, technical expertise and focus, training, um, your awareness, it's sort of an internal awareness. What do we have to sell? Because what I find is most times people they don't realize that we have products to sell. And so this is part of us uh, communicating out uh, to you guys. And team selling. You know, Justin has used some of these products, more than certainly Dallas, uh, Parker, Ken Smith, uh, you name it. Uh, the guys down in Mexico are looking at these products as well as uh, one of the opportunities at Al Baleo uh, and Cananea. Uh, target list, who are you going to sell to? That's part of the mantra of a a market-driven company, who do you sell to, what do you sell, and the implementation. And that's really what we're going to be getting into to today. How do you sell these products into the market space? Uh, commercial terms. And then um, link all of this to your success in getting some SIP payouts, right? We all want to get paid. So just wanted to kind of highlight, uh, can everyone see this? Uh, new product introduction uh, page. I know it's very busy, but this section right here, or the products that are our concern, um, it's MF 1735s, MF 1740, MF 1755. That doesn't really mean anything to you at the moment, but we'll cover what each product is and what is the significance uh, for those characteristics of that product. We also have some products off to the right of the AMPS products, and that is the Zalta MF3000 and 3001. Those are good products as well, and hopefully I can cover that in the next uh, seminar. And we also have a third product that's still in development, but this is for the aluminum industry, and that's DPI 690. This is a new and exciting uh, type of product that we will cover again in a, a new uh, seminar. So 1735, 1740, and 1755 or our new AMPS, polyamps, polyacrylamide, co So any learning objective, uh, comfortable. If someone has, uh, uh, could put their phone on mute. There's a little bit of noise in the background. It's a little bit distracting. Please put your phone on mute. Uh, key learning objectives. I always like to talk about, you know, what are you? What's the purpose of what we're doing? Uh, it's simply to get you comfortable with uh, the nomenclature, the characteristics of the polymer, where and when you use these things in your uh, sales or in your technical uh, presentations to customers. So here's the meat of what we're trying to get at. Um, 
we have a wider range of products uh, that are PAM chemistries. Those are typically polyacrylate, polyacrylamide, copolymers. Those are the Me Too type chemistries that have been used in the industry for years, and there's a reason for that. They're pretty cheap, uh, inexpensive, but those products uh, sometimes can't handle uh, these problematic ore bodies or the problematic uh, muds or waste materials that are coming out of the, the process that extracts the metals or minerals. So what we try to do is give a good range of in the product uh, portfolio in terms of charge density. You can see that the 1735 is a 13 mole percent charge density. Um, the next one is 1740, it's an 18 mole percent charge density. Zalta 1755, which is just a recent addition to our product line, it's one of the highest uh, polyamps, polyacrylamide chemistries out there today. Uh, competitors also have some of these products, but I feel like uh, they don't have the methodical approach that our folks uh, employ in selection of the right uh, flocculant for a given process. And this portfolio is a very broad portfolio. We've taken a lot of time to ensure that these are the right products to bring in to the market space. Uh, we sent out numerous development samples to uh, a bunch of North American folks and they've tested it and we've down selected some of the charge densities to these three products. It's very, very, very robust product portfolio and it can address um, most of the, the areas um, of concern with those problematic ore bodies or have high concentrations of certain mineralogies that don't settle well. Um, we do ask, you notice that the, the lowest uh, charge density of 13 mole percent, um, perhaps if you run a test at your site, um, we'd like for you to run all three because then we can get some inference uh, or implication um, and the data would actually infer whether or not we need to go down to a lower charge density. And if we get enough information, there's enough sales uh, that could um, help us to bring in and, and broaden the portfolio uh, even further. So the target markets, um, where do we sell these things? Uh, precious metals, base metals, coal, rare earth metals, hard rock phosphate, Mineral sands, uh, anytime you have uh, clay type materials or uh, high uh, curvaceous material, a lot of organics, um, even silica type materials, um, those are the, usually the, the key things to ask your metallurgist or engineer. Uh, what's giving you the headache in your, uh, in your CCD or your thickener or your washer? Have you identified the mineralogy? Uh, so those are things that you would want to talk to your metallurgist and find out if they are having sedimentation problems. It's probably due to one of those uh, items that I just mentioned before. It's not good for the aluminum industry uh, simply because it doesn't have uh, sufficient molecular weight in the polymerization process. You can't get to uh, sufficient molecular weights, although there may be something in the future where uh, it could be a true polymer, perhaps with the polyamps uh, functionality. Um, it could also be used not only in mining, but oil and gas. 
industry, uh, perhaps even uh, in some other industries that we haven't uh, thought about. But it's a good idea to let people know that we, we have those types of chemistries, especially if we want to grow uh, salinas as a whole. Target applications or the countercurrent decaying circuits, thickeners, uh, tailings ponds, centrifuges, um, anywhere you, you have that problematic ore body and we um, want to move the, the, uh, the slurry or the waste or the concentrate um, from point A to point B, it also be used in centrifuges. I've known of a couple of places where uh, it can actually benefit by pulling more fines down into the centrifuge or uh, if it's a lower molecular weight polyamps, you could actually disperse the materials. Um, belt filter presses. Uh, we've just come across a company in North America, Agrum. They're using um, a similar type of chemistry, but they're not using it properly. So even though if you have you know, some of the better chemistries, understanding its best practices on the use of it uh, is very important for the success or to achieve the, the key performance indicators that your customers will want. So uh, Paul uh, quickly identified that we do have sourcing for multiple uh, vendors and locations. Uh, we do want to build uh, as much volume as we can. So I think when you go to salesforce.com, uh, it is in salesforce.com and you can order those products and I would suggest you know if you have a kit of products that you normally send out to the customer sites to be tested that you bring these along with you. Um, so I kind of covered this uh, slide before uh, what are the things that you want to look for so here's the list any uh, particle that is uh, very fine will have a high zeta potential in most cases. Things that are above 20 uh, on the zeta potential range in millivolts or plus or minus, they tend to give uh, problems. And most of the particles in, in the mining space are negative in nature. Uh, they get surrounded by these counter ions, uh, mostly cations that would uh, allow the adsorption of the types of chemistries such as the polyamps. But if they're too high, then you tend not to be able to uh, have fast kinetics. And zeta potential is one way. If you can send a problem or body into the customer applications laboratory, you may want to have them run zeta potential at a, varying, at a variation of pH. And you look for the isoelectric point. Uh, so you can tell your customer, yeah, look, you have a real... Uh, find particle size distribution, and again, you would have the customer applications group uh, monitor and, and actually examine what the PSD or particle size distribution is, and then tie that also with the zeta potential. And that's telling your customer that I'm understanding the process, and I'm also looking for the right product, such as the polyamps polyacrylamide, to reduce that charge or that surface area such that you can promote better uh, liquid solid separation. Other things that you want to talk about is salt concentration, the presence of uh, di and trivalence uh, ions that are present in solution, um, transitional metals 
uh, pH extremes. Those are most of the, the liquor characteristics that you would want to, to uh, talk to the metallurgist and understand because they change the characteristic or the surface chemistry of the substrates that you're trying to uh, induce uh, to settle. Uh, use of non-ionic polymers. Uh, sometimes they get tied up with iron. Uh, these uh, polyamps, um, they have special characteristics. Um, and I'll talk about the PKA aspect as compared to PAM in uh, other areas as well later in the uh, presentation. Anywhere there's high turbidity or high salinity, uh, a desire to achieve lower residual polymer and overflows, uh, that's a very important uh, issue for people who are doing solvent extraction. Typically, uh, the PAM type chemistry um, has a negative effect on the ability to separate uh, from taking the, the material from an aqueous phase, the metals that have been dissolved into solution, uh, to transfer them into the organic phase. And that time of separation is very important for the efficiency of that process. And any residual polymer. Uh, will slow that process down by networking with the chemistry, usually a ketoxime, an aldoxime, or a phosphine type uh, chemistry uh, that are used in solvent extraction today. Other considerations, um, you, you always want to use proper screening techniques. Um, you, you try to do the very best you can to understand. Time on a plant is, is very limited in most cases. Uh, but you definitely want to run charge density profiles as well as chemistry profiles. And it, look, don't just say, well, this is what they've used uh, in the past. And in prior training uh, courses, we've introduced a product selection guide. We also had a competitive database that I had started that you can uh, generally look in most of the products that are being used today or in that product line, and it gives you an idea of what the competitor's product is. But again, you don't just take that as gospel just because they're using, um, say, a PAM chemistry at a given charge density. Uh, you may find that cationic materials, Justin, Carnegie Jones, and myself, and other team members, uh, we found you know a cationic uh, material actually worked better in a process in Madagascar uh, at Ambatobi. So just don't take uh, what other people have done as the gospel. Um, don't assume any dosages or product schemes. Again, uh, it's just what other people have done. It's good to know the history, but be methodical in your test work. Uh, look for a two-product solution. In some instances, if you can't uh, find a, a single flocculant that would work uh, well, it's usually uh, ends up that you affect the turbidity with the coagulant, but you could also affect the rheology as well in a positive way. And as we get a little bit further into the presentation, I will also talk about uh, the difference between the AMPS um, copolymers and the PAM normal type of chemistry, the polyacrylate polyacrylamide chemistry, in terms of rheological properties. And Larry, if I could just uh, take a second to reiterate the points that you just made uh, on your previous page, is you know now that we have the global applications team, and and yes, we have a lot of polymer experts already in the business, 
But what Larry just said is very important is because as the, as mining gets more competitive, um, as our customers pressure pressure us on performance and value, you know, um, you know, we see a lot of pressure from our competition trying to get into our accounts or when we're trying to get into new accounts ourselves, we have to have a really good story. And the way that we're going to have the best chance is not just relying on the historical way of doing things or assuming that because something worked in the past that that's the best. And that's why Larry's suggestion of the methodical approach, um, testing you know as many products as possible, yes, it might take longer, but in the end, it's, it's going to help identify the best solution and then be creative. Uh, you know, those are all things that, yes, it takes a little bit more time, but at the end it pays off. And what we're seeing is, is that that investment up front is helping us to, to be better positioned and bring on new business. So thanks thanks for identifying that, Larry. You're right on. Absolutely. And, you know, sometimes the return of investment could be, you know, you've used these other competitive products and it's been uh, negatively affecting your uh, solvent extraction process or the downstream effects um, or detrimental to a filter press because of the residual flocculent pin solution. And by the way, we're uh, developing a technique that could at least look and see if there is residual flocculent in your uh, overflow liquors. Remember guys, the flocculant needs to stay with the solids and not in the liquor uh, to be effective. And the right uh, selection of a flocculant typically would reduce the amount of residual polymer that's left in the overflow. So the polymer anatomy, uh, that's key here because uh, you would want to know molecular weight, polydispersity, chart density, a lot of those things. And look, the, the, the normal person out in the field don't have or does not have access to all of that, and that's where the global application team comes in or the regional applications teams. Uh, they do have access and understand uh, the basic chemistries of these products, uh, and especially for the 1700 series. Uh, we look forward to working with you and helping you in any way that we can. So, you know, you guys are familiar with this. Most of you are polymer experts, uh, anionic, non-ionic, cationic. And where we focus in on today's uh, seminar is the anionic type of uh, polymers. There are many types, but I will only uh, really talk to the polyacrylate chemistry with the carboxylic acid functionality or uh, the, the amino sulfonic acid type uh, chemistry, which is the uh, uh, polymer. We don't typically have homopolymers of amps uh, in the higher molecular weight uh, range uh, simply because of the percentage. Uh, I think 32 is usually the highest amount that you could actually get in. Uh, to the upper molecular weight ranges. Copolymers and terpolymers are usually the, the types of polymers for the polynamps. Um, we only have the copolymers in our product line today, although uh, you may want to think about the terpolymers because actually, uh, knowing the chemistry as well as I do, the polynamps uh, typically require less charge density than the PAM chemistry and the TER polymers typically uh, require less charge density than the copolymers. And why is that important? It's, it all goes to our profitability. 
if we can find something that is easily made and it's pretty cheap to produce, but yet it requires less lesser amount of expensive raw materials, uh, that's where our cogs uh, can be enhanced and also the price points uh, that we offer to our customers. So uh, PKA, uh, I'm not going to get into deep into the chemistry, but it's essentially uh, where things are protonated and not protonated. Um, there's not really um, a huge uh, directory of, of these uh, PKAs for all of the polymers. There's some generalities in the, the ones that are normally used in industry. You can find those from literature sources. Um, but why is this important to you? Um, it's because things that are typically protonated have this electric repulsion uh, where you can achieve the highest dynamic uh, volume uh, for a polymer. Essentially, the polymer is uh, stretched out in what we call a stretch configuration instead of a coil configuration. And it's essentially the effective molecular weight of that, that polymer. So anything that is uh, protonated, and when we talk about PKA, anything under the PKA for the pH, uh, you typically will be protonated, and it's not as effective in the absorption or the kinetics of the adsorption onto these particle surfaces. So PKA, uh, just to let you know, uh, here's a source that I found for uh, the polyamps, uh, 2.3. And if you look at polyacrylate, it's 4.2. So this type of chemistry, um, it does have uh, a charge. Um, mostly it's sodium uh, amps types of, of polyamp products, not the uh, acidic form. Uh, I just didn't take the time to, to draw the structure out. Uh, the polyacrylate has a pK of 4.2. And what does that mean? Anytime you go below 4.2 uh, in pH, or thereabouts, uh, you typically will see uh, that this uh, molecule or the carboxylic acid functionality will be protonated and you get lesser uh, efficacy uh, within uh, the liquid solid separation process. So just looking at some uh, PK versus uh, PKB in adsorption, um, you know, they had some cationic tert polymers. Um, but the uh, emphasis here is that it's pH driven, it's temperature driven. Um, so you have to be cognizant of the fact of what type of charge density you're using, what type of chemistry, the functionality. If it is a charged species, uh, you typically would want to know what the pKa is so that if you're matching a, a chemistry to a process, um, you would start to understand that perhaps the, the polyacrylates would not work well in a low pH environment. And here you go uh, for salt concentration. Um, there is a need for some salt concentration in order for a particular chemistry to be effective. For, for example, uh, in the low pH uh, world, uh, you'll have calcium, things that will dissolve other than the metals of, of choice. Uh, to dissolve the metals that would actually be sold as an end product. There are impurities that come into the liquor as well. 
so calcium, magnesium, iron, all of the other gang type uh, ions uh, will invade into the, the liquors. Um, but you can see that there is improved performance with the polymer uh, on the top graph um, that you can also have, and this chart doesn't show it, uh, too high of concentration of calcium or magnesium. Calcium and, and magnesium are used as bridging uh, mechanisms for uh, the bridging mechanism in the flocculation process, or even some people consider it to help out in the patch mechanism. Just two ways that uh, polymers attach themselves to uh, the particles. So you can see uh, off to the right that uh, there was an optimal pH where that particular uh, product of a certain charge density actually had the highest efficacy. And I wrote some notes in here uh, to further explain and I also gave the reference paper. So if you want to read more in depth about this particular subject, you can. Uh, but it, for the novice person or the salesperson who just wants to know the nuts and bolts, there is a right pH a right temperature, a right salt concentration, a right type of substrate for a given polymer. And here's just a generality on the next slide, uh, non-ionic versus highly anionic type of uh, products versus highly uh, cationic type of, of products. Now there are uh, some chemistries that have both positive and negative and uh, and, and uh, non-ionic or non-charge uh, functionalities, but typically we, we deal with copolymers or homopolymers in our everyday life. Um, I'll get into some of our competition in a few more pages, uh, and they really relate to the tert polymers, the BSF, uh, real max chemistries. Um, I believe them to be uh, tert polymers of, of polyamps type chemistry. And you could see in the aluminum industry specifically, and I know a lot of folks who are on the call today, they may not be in that industry. But again, the charge density is important there because there are caustic solutions that are in several hundred gram per liter as the sodium hydroxide or the alkaline form of sodium. Um, and those usually uh, induce a coiled configuration or effectively reduce the molecular weight of those uh, highly charged, uh, high molecular weight polymers. So if you have, like in the front end of a countercurrent system, um, high charge density, 100% are homopolymers, so we typically use them at front end of the circuit. And in any countercurrent system, most countercurrent systems um, in use today, especially in alumina, uh, have two product solutions. Not all, but most. And that's, a, that's something else that you may want to look at when you're bringing these products out to the market space. And actually, I have an example uh, what Dallas Parker and I had done at Materion that would speak to that uh, need for a two-product solution in their, um, in their process. So polymer application, uh, you know, having the right chemistry is half the battle, but actually uh, implementing it in the right way is the other portion. Uh, that you need to be aware of. Uh, and it's just to make you a little bit more comfortable and having heard these words, you know, a couple more times, 
uh, may help you know, that comfort level when you approach these people to start asking them questions, getting them in the laboratory, and running the tests with uh, the polymer-type chemistry. So uh, here's some things that I thought were uh, pretty useful to me when I would go into the, uh, into the mill or mine. Know your customers' issues. Uh, talk to them. Find out what their bottlenecks are. And then talk a little bit more in depth about the issue and fully understand, you know, what their metrics are. Uh, maybe find out some of the characteristics of the solutions or the substrates that are giving them problems. Um, know what the return on investments are. I just spoke uh, about uh, the extraction efficiency, but you may also look at why they wanted to get to higher solids and to be able to pump higher solids out to their uh, tailings ponds. Well, I just talked to a customer last night, and he's saying that, you know, there's a continual need to build higher and higher levees on their repositories because they're not getting to the solids concentration that they need to to dispose of the waste properly. Uh, historical endeavors. You, you really want to, to dwell into what other people have done. Uh, not only for your uh, benefit, but to, to maybe perhaps uh, not commit the same errors that the competition has, or to you know have a basis of comparison. What is the benchmark chemistry? The metrics. Uh, how did how did you establish the metrics? Um, you know what do the customer want? Uh, maybe they want the you know sedimentation rate, compaction, and turbidity. Uh, and they want it for the cheapest price possible. So maybe it's not a, a very good place for polyamps because those products are not as cheap uh, to sell as the, the PAM chemistry. And the, lastly, you know, Paul just reiterated what I always preach is to be methodical in your laboratory testing because I feel you may miss uh, a whole uh, lot of business if you're not methodical and you don't pick the, the right uh, flocculant to develop the network or the combination of the flocculant and coagulant that would meet your customer's metrics. Uh, you know, if you're going out to the site, uh, you might as well, you're there for X number of days. Um, try to get as much of the, of the testing as, as possible done in order for you to uh, increase the probability of your success in a sale. So here's a, an example of what we had done at uh, Materion. It's a, a beryllium uh, extraction plant, rare, rare earth metal type of plant. And you could see that there's a countercurrent system here. And there's a differential in pH, but there's also a differential in temperature. Um, we had done some, some work in the front end of the circuit, going on to the next slide. Um, you can see undoubtedly that 1735, which is our 13 mole percent. So uh, at 1 pH, we noticed that our 1735, uh, it has, you know, efficacy. The four key performance indicators here. Can you guys hear me, Paul? We, we can now, yes. Go ahead, then. Yeah, okay, great. So the key performance indicators here were sedimentation rate, uh, turbidity, compaction, and, you know, something that we've introduced just recently is uh, yield stress or rheology measurements. 
uh, our competition uh, doesn't really do that. Um, and the, the reason why we bring it into the conversation is because, okay, you can get to higher solids, but are you able to pump that material? That's one of the things that our, our competition uh, negates in, in their ability uh, or their uh, idea of how you can share value with your customer. So we can create solids, and we also have a product that uh, shows an efficacy in the uh, rheology as well. And, and you can see that on this slide, uh, on the left-hand side, the upper graph, we use uh, Drew Flock 304, which is a non-ionic. And non-ionics are typically used in low pH systems traditionally. Um, but these polyamps um, definitely show higher sedimentation rates. They do go to higher compactions. And we also see improvements uh, in the uh, in, in the clarities as well. And by the way, you know, they, our competition, Nalco, SciTech, uh, a bunch of other folks um, came in and tried their products, um, but they weren't successful in this, this endeavor. And I feel it was in part because they just didn't bring a full product portfolio. Um, they have some of the similar products in their product line uh, in most cases, but they weren't methodical about um, the test work. And, uh, we did do a product uh, suite in terms of differing types of chemistries as well as um, the uh, on the later stages uh, of the, the process uh, in terms of product chemistry, the functionality, and the charge densities of each one of the product or chemistry types to be able to select the right chemistry. And again, the 1735 uh, one in all of the categories that were tested. Uh, in the A stage, and here's where uh, the beryllium uh, recovery is because they just came all the time to retract it. And as you can see, uh, the 304, the Drew Flock 304, um, had better sedimentation rate, it had lower uh, turbidity, but it also had higher compaction. And for every 1% improvement in compaction, they recover X uh, pounds of beryllium, and beryllium is uh, in that uh, state that's coming out of their process is about $50 per pound. So it's a huge return on investment for those uh, folks. and. A uh, case study was done with Mark Stay and I think Dallas Parker, uh, and they actually seen a significant reduction in the losses uh, with beryllium going out to their, their mud or repository tailing pond. Um, so they're very happy with us, but uh, going back, we didn't want to sit on our laurels. Um, you know, we, we want to always introduce newer and better ideas to our customer and perhaps this is one of the ways that we will do that. We find the right chemistry for the back end of the circuit but we continue to use our AMS product in the front end of the circuit. We also had done a lot of work with coagulants in combination with these two uh, chemistries and we found uh, even better results with the characteristics of a particular type of uh, coagulant. And so we're hoping to introduce that to uh, this customer at some point in the future. But the point is being methodical, 
a good product selection when you uh, evaluating the process. Even if you own the business here, uh, as we do, we still uh, are looking for ways to be, be innovative for our customer. Dark PV, a uh, number of folks, Chris Lights, Michelle Hardy, um, March Day, uh, myself, we all have contributed to it and mining R&D community as well, uh, Anthony and Aaron's uh, team. Um, have done quite a number of studies to look at products for Barrick PV, and that's just a general overview uh, of the, the plant. And you can see that there's quite a lot of opportunity here for us in uh, counter-current system on individual thickeners, uh, about $7 million, I was told, per annum uh, for this business. So picking the right flocculent uh, opens up the door uh, for us, uh, but knowing the right application of that uh, particular uh, product could also keep us in that door and uh, gaining new business even within this uh, system to go and form for additional business on a separate thickener or even some other type of chemistry like the high temperature anus gamut is already there so it opened up the door for us. Uh, the iron thickener was one of the places where we tested. You can see that it's uh, very harsh conditions. Uh, typically, the pH range from about 2.5 to 3. Uh, lots of studies have been done. Uh, again, we were methodical in the approach uh, on the next slide. A sweep of products to be able to to draw trends. Now, that that's an important thing. If I only have one type of chemistry with one charge density, I may miss the point. I might say, well, amps is no good. But you have to get the right charge density, the right molecular weight, the right functionality. Remember I talked about PKA. The PKA and the substrate are important because you have to match uh, the charges uh, for uh, the attraction of the uh, polymer to the surface of that particular particles or particle mineralogies uh, in order to do the liquid solid separation process. And when I talk about network, I'm really talking about a flocule or a flock structure. Uh, developing the right network is usually the best way uh, to induce better key performance indicators, such as the compaction. If I make a sphere versus the irregular shape, well, the sphere will, will compress the water out of the interstitial spaces. It will compact in a given vessel much better than an irregular shape object. Uh, it will have better rheology than an irregular shape um, object. And with the AMPS products, uh, we typically see better uh, rheologies than the, uh, the normal PAM chemistries. So it, it's not the answer to all of the, the mining segments out there, uh, but when you do find the right uh, AMPS product for the right process, you typically see uh, dramatic in increases in performance. Then you're going to have to go to uh, understanding uh, what process swings. And the, the next slide is really uh, getting to that point where you know you ran from about a two, uh, two, two to two point six range to a three eight uh, with barracks material. And you can see that um, with, on the x-axis is charge density. The 13 mole percent material had a lambda max. 
uh, at a given pH, and it started to to uh, to deviate into poor uh, performance at lower charge densities. So it's the same chemistry, but there's a little bit less charge off to the left and more charge off to the right. So you can see that there is an optimal charge density for the AMPS products. Another reason that you would want to use AMPS products perhaps is if you're using an AA scalant upstream or maybe perhaps a grinding aid, um, these types of products could uh, help or assist or show the same performance or even improve performance. Um, typically the grinding aids or uh, anti-scalants or low molecular weight uh, type chemistries that induce uh, dispersion rather than flocculation. So these things help uh, if there's any impact uh, to the downstream uh, by those particular products. You can see that uh, the AMPS products, especially in certain situations and certain the right uh, circumstances, um, they're a little bit more tolerant to to the feed solids than are some of the PAM chemistries. Um, you know, this is only one example, but we've done multiple types. Uh, when we did the charge uh, density sweep for the polyacrylates, um, the typical chart that you would see is just like this one. I didn't want to make a very busy uh, chart or uh, take your, the point away from what we're trying to convey to you. It's just that the AMPS products typically can, can handle higher and higher feed solids as opposed to the normal Me Too type products. So this is another selling point or return of investment for uh, you to bring to your customer. If I'm pushing uh, the same or higher feed solids to the system and getting better performance uh, with that, that same dosage or even a lower dosage, um, then you can calculate what the return of investment would be for them in the overall throughput of their process. Uh, gram per liter dosage, uh, you can see that over uh, a linear uh, range of dosage, um, that the AMPS type products um, have superior performance and compaction. Um, and that's, a, that's an important thing. Uh, and you can also see from this picture that, or this, this figure that uh, as you're going up in dosage, it does you really no good. You're actually losing ground on compaction. Uh, so I would uh, suggest, you know, if you would repeat this test, that you would go at the lighter uh, gram, per, gram per ton dosages to uh, see where the, the highest compaction would actually occur. Uh, most people, uh, they think the higher the, or the more of the flocculant that you use, the higher the compaction uh, would be the result of the test work. But here it really uh, shows the point that going to higher dosages with the flocculant alone uh, really doesn't uh, improve the, the key performance indicator. Competitors. Uh, we have a number of competitors out there, Neutron products. They usually uh, sell the gel logs, uh, SNF Florge or Flowman or Holman Company. They're all the same. Uh, even uh, HiChem, uh, if you see those guys out there, they have those products, and HiChem is just a, uh, a branch of, of SNF. BSF, they have the real max type chemistries or MOZ. Uh, again, we were at a, 
uh, hard rock phosphate mill in Ormaz has the business and the chemistry that they're utilizing is a uh, a copolymer of polyamps polyacrylamide um, but they're actually making a granular down to 2% which have huge fish eyes in their uh, circuit so they're really wasting a, a good percentage of the polymer and it's not effective as a filtration aid. Camira has uh, copolymers uh, of uh, the amps, polyamps, polyacrylamide, but they usually source them from other companies such as SNF Lorge or Chinese uh, suppliers uh, such as Newer or uh, Kian Run or other companies. Uh, Chinese suppliers also have uh, these AMP products, but they don't have the boots in the ground or the expertise to sell them. Whereas the SNF Florigés, the Neutron products, the BASFs of the world, the Camaras, the Cytex of the world, uh, they typically will have the expertise to, to implement these products. Uh, here's just uh, an example of our competitor's product line, um, what I think these, these products are. Um, you can see that they have both emulsions and granular type materials. Um, they have a suite of charge densities. They go from 5 to 32% charge density and they're granular type materials. Uh, the emulsions uh, or higher molecular weight materials. Um, and they also have uh, a good charge density sweep as well. And this would be typical of most uh, companies. Um, and so, you know, we, we do competitive analyses from time to time, and you can see that HiChem, um, it is a tur polymer. Um, SNF essentially does have tur polymers, but they don't advertise them as much as they do some of the copolymer chemistries. Um, but, you know, you can have uh, some of these if you're able to get them in the, the correct manner and request them through the company. Um, they may offer these, these chemistries to you. Um, and if there's no competitive uh, uh, issues with, with you uh, analyzing them, you can see that um, we can, at the customer applications laboratory, find out you know, what the charge density is, what the composition and more uh, data will tell us, whether it's a polyacrylate, polyacrylamide, polyamps type chemistry and also the, the molecular weight of that particular product. Um, so when you're trying to tie a structure property relationship to an application efficacy, uh, this is the type of thing that you would want to, to know about the, the, the types of competitive products that are being used today. The composition, meaning the functionality, uh, the types of monomers that are present, the charge density, uh, what is the split between all of the charge species here you can see it's not an equal split uh, between the poly uh, amps and the polyacrylate chemistry. <clears throat> so some calculations, guys. This is the fun part of the of the exercise, and I thought you know maybe we would just run through it. I don't expect you guys to take an examination after the, the seminar, but uh, typically you know the pricing and look these are fictitious prices. I just uh, tried to put uh, a differential between the price between an AMPS type product and a Me Too type product out in the market space today uh, in terms of the cost uh, per kilogram. Uh, you'll notice also 
uh, the AMP product I listed uh, for 100 grams per ton uh, dosage, um, and the Me Too Pam type chemistry as 150 grams per ton. So we basically want to calculate, you know, how much tons of mud is used per uh, per annum, the annual flocking usage, calculate the chemical consumption. This is something that you'd have to do to write a proposal anyway. But the key here is is to understand how can I sell my AMPS product if it's higher price, right? Um, what can I start um, telling the customer that would convince that person uh, that they would need to buy this AMPS product from me? Is it performance only? Is it cost driven? Is it both of those uh, items? So uh, this will be available to you and you can examine it, uh, but essentially we run through the dimension analysis. Some of the key things that you would need to know is the characteristics of the, the pulp, uh, what's the liquor, specific gravity, meaning the liquid portion, the specific gravity of the pulp. You need to know the flow rate. You need to know the dry ore density, uh, perhaps if you don't have some of the other information. Uh, you need to know the percent solids. Um, in uh, another spreadsheet that I developed, you will be able to calculate um, knowing two of the three, two out of the three uh, variables, um, one of the other types of variables such as percent solids. In this example, I used gram per liter uh, solids as the uh, as the, the, the metric to tie in the uh, flow rate of the plant in terms of tons per per day. And you can see that we uh, had 43.78 gram per liter just through the dimension analysis when we uh, ran some tests in the laboratory to determine that pulp density. Uh, and then we did uh, further dimension analyses towards the bottom uh, just to show uh, how many tons of mud are going to be used per day? Why is that important? Because I give my uh, dosage in grams uh, per ton, and I, if I have a uh, tons of dry substrate that's being uh, pumped to point A to point B per day, I can figure out how much of the uh, polymer or the reagent that is necessary for uh, the company to, to buy per annum. And so through that calculation, uh, another uh, dimension analysis towards the bottom of the, the uh, presentation, um, 100 grams per ton per day versus uh, 1,052 tons per day times, you know, what's, what's your, your plant uh, operating? How many days a year does your plant stay in operational mode? Most plants don't go through 65, so that's a question that you would want to ask in order to make a, a better guesstimate of how much material is going to be used per annum. And we came out with about 35.8. We'd round it up, maybe give a little bit of fudge room there and say, oh, that's maybe 36, or you may even round it up to 40 because you may not uh, contend with a particular ore body at the time you're doing your investigation. And so uh, most plants want to have enough material on hand um, to be able to 
uh, process their material. So having a little bit extra on site, um, you don't want to go up to 60, of course, but you want to have enough material to run uh, for a given time period. And the fluctuations in the plant may, uh, you know, see higher and higher consumptions of that particular product. So the next uh, page, uh, here's where the nuts and bolts uh, come together with uh, you're convincing the customer that, hey, you know, the plant flocculant only cost um, $189, uh, sorry, $189,000 um, per, per annum, and your new product is also $1,735. It costs more. So I'd just like to ask, you know, what is, what is your opinion? How would you sell, having heard a few things that I've said before, about the efficiency of AMP's products. Uh, you can type it off on the left-hand side. Um, what would you, you think uh, could be said to the customer in the, in the return of investment? So I'll wait for a, a few moments just to see if you, if you guys want to come off of mute or you want to type off into the left-hand side. How would you sell this, this product? Them being almost equal, but still, they're almost uh, a couple hundred, uh, a couple thousand dollars more expensive. Looks like Derek is uh, taking a shot here. Great. Um, maybe there's uh, some other folks in addition to Derek that have some ideas. We still have uh, you know, 22 experienced people on the phone. Um, the way that we get value is that maybe you know the answer, um, but somebody else on this call would you know could benefit so it's a little bit about helping out your teammates here too absolutely Derek you, you hit it on the head um, the economics uh, are about equal but the the other benefits uh, the key performance indicators the sedimentation rate the compaction or even the amount of residual flocculent that's coming in the overflow right you can go to a filter press block your filter press so you don't get the throughput through your process I think Nick was uh, also uh, final product recovery. Absolutely. Uh, we just talked about a case study where uh, beryllium uh, was being recovered at a higher rate, less pro product loss out the back end. Plant efficiency. Absolutely. You know, a lot can be said about uh, consistency in your unit operations. Um, with the AMPS products, I find that your system is much smoother. So when you go look at the uh, DCS in the control room, uh, you can see that the torque rates, the pump AMPS, uh, all of the things that people look at on a daily basis are flatlined as opposed to these um, polyacrylate chemistries. Yes, I mean, gold, gold uh, recovery. Um, you know, that's, uh, if, you, if you're pushing more material through per, per day uh, in, a, in a thickener, uh, that's an, a benefit. Um, I'll give you an example in a copper cobalt at El Vallejo. It's not a gold facility, but um, they needed to bring more uh, neutralization material to the neutralization tank. It came from a, a plant thickener in order to bring up the pH such that the solvent extraction efficiency would go up for a given type of chemistry. Um, 
less residual flocculent going into uh, a CIL or a CIP. Um, anytime you have an organic material that's uh, coming into into your overflow um, and not sticking with your your muds, um, that may interfere or take up active sites on your uh, your carbon. And, and another thing that's, I'd like to say, oh, uh, Larry, um, and I know, please, I'm sorry, respond to Bob's comment. Better cyanide uh, retention, absolutely. Uh, Bach is spot on with uh, recovery of, of uh, like uh, caustics or uh, acids or any type of material that is the solvent is usually a major issue for uh, people in, in the mining industry. And, and so, Larry, I think this you know this example was was spot on, um, and you know Derek and Bach and uh, Nick and the others spot on on regards to you know how would you quantify the benefits above and beyond uh, the the price and, and the use cost right? But there's also two other elements that I just want to reiterate and Larry hit on them in the presentation is is it's not only the performance but it's the team right? It's the Selenus team that even before that product goes on the plant that has a huge impact on is that customer going to buy or not right? We saw this potentially, you know, at Barrick PV, you know, still doing trials. But when that team went down there and they did one hell of a job of not only doing the testing, but putting together the, the very professional report, communicating it to the Barrick staff, that gave us a lot of credibility, right? And so this is a multi-pronged approach that we can never forget. It's the team that goes in there and we're showing the strength and the bench of the Salinas team, right? You know, that's why we have technicians, that's why we have account managers, that's why we have regional applications, global applications, R&D. We don't necessarily always see that from the competition, right? They sell it from afar and they visit the plant six months, every six months. So we can't forget about that. And so it's not only about the people, but Larry mentioned the, the methodology and the methodical approach and the tools that we have. Um, so when, when you guys just make sure that you guys are tapping into every resource that you can to sell that deal. Um, don't be afraid to ask for help. Um, pull on the team and use all of those resources. Um, and, and we, and we find that, you know, successful at Cripple Creek, um, successful at, at Materian, successful, you know, at Barrick PV, um, the golden sunlight team approach. Um, just always keep in mind that this team approach and leveraging every resource you can and help you make successful usually works in the end. And get on the chatter. If, if yeah. you have a question, uh, you know, get on the chatter line. If you have a specific question, reach out to the people on this, this uh, seminar. Uh, we all have experience and we all can contribute to the overall uh, good. We can go from good to great if, if you have more minds on uh, the the, the, the problem of, of, of the customer. So if I can steal just a little bit of more of your time, talking about uh, the advantages that Selenus has uh, over our, some of our competition um, and things we want to introduce, um, we just recently put in place a dynamic sedimentation device and hopefully we can get further funding for it. Uh, you know, Paul is 
put it out onto the sales force. But I want to mention this as well. The chemistry, the expertise, the people on the ground, the team approach, but also the tools to help sell uh, these uh, these chemistries. Uh, so that's a picture off to the left. And, you know, some of the other customers, uh, BSF has some, sort of similar uh, uh, gadgets that they use. Um, but this is more of a powerful tool. If you look at all of the things that we just thought about or we have capabilities with, uh, yield stress, apparent viscosity, bed level, feed rate, you can adjust the pH. Uh, you can adjust the temperature of the feed solids. You can go through the throughput, the amount of shearing on a product, the order of addition, uh, the modeling for rheology, the liquid solid separation. Uh, there's qu quite a lot. The possibility of, of a ore body, if a customer is looking at some of the more problematic materials and wanting to understand how to use it in a dynamic uh, situation. Those process variables, uh, how much throughput can I get as compared to my other ore uh, body with the same type of material. You can do rake torque, pump bamps. Uh, you can look at actually how much energy is and power is used for uh, pumping that material. You can look at flock strength, efficiency, uh, effective grinding means, effective anti-scanless, effective viscosity modifiers, uh, even deposit control. Uh, friction reducers, throughput evaluations, turbidity. Uh, what does it mean to have turbidity going into another uh, unit operations? So I just wanted to make uh, everybody uh, aware of that we have these tools and that we're uh, trying to create enough interest uh, for this type of equipment to be used in conjunction with the new product, uh, new products that we're constantly bringing out either through uh, the mining R&D uh, community or uh, new products that we bring into our, our process. Okay, uh, with that, uh, Paul, I think uh, we can come to a question and answer. Are yeah, any I think questions? We, I think we addressed uh, most of them that came up. Uh, the only one I think that uh, we might have, uh, we should address is Derek had a, uh, a question, and I apologize if we covered it, but about the uh, Recovery and leach, I think it was. Um, uh, question. Yeah, the question was, can you uh, can you uh, see improved uh, cyanide recovery? I think um, we had covered that uh, further up in the chat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The uh, Derek had the question about, uh, do we have experience with these polymers are on in inline leach reactor? Looks like we're up against BASF. Um, anytime that there's a liquid solid separation process, the answer to you is no, Derek. We haven't uh, actually utilized these products in that type of, of application. But if it's uh, to induce uh, liquid solid separation or some sort of uh, movement uh, enhancement like a friction reducer, um, one certainly can investigate these, these chemistries if you have the unit operations schematics and I'm sure that the mining R&D community might uh, do some blueprinting as well to figure that out. So great. Uh, any other questions? I see Justin just uh, talked about some, some good results. With exactly. Yeah. 
you know, this is what it's all about. It's all about getting orders. Um, it's all about, uh, you know, first of all, getting the customer interested, getting a trial, moving it through the sales process. Um, so that's, it's, it looks like that's promising. Nothing signed yet, but uh, promising. And, you know, as an example, um, gold mining in Russia is, uh, is, a, is a new market we're trying to penetrate more. And, you know, with Justin and Peter's and the, uh, uh, Justin and Peter's help, you know, this is a great example of being creative and using differentiated technologies to open up new doors and new markets. Um, so great stuff. Yeah, uh, Paul, uh, Paul really great, I didn't yes. want to uh, steal Peter's uh, thunder. He was going to update you tomorrow, but uh, uh, they've invited us for trials of Zolta 1740. Yeah. Yes, the product is very great. No order yet. Yes, yeah. we, we, we made lab tests in December, and then after we left the, the, the site, they made some counter-checks with their own means and came to the conclusion that the product is really very good and invited me today to bring them some for free some product and make a, a, a test at the machinery for some, some days and looks rather good. Yes, let's... Yes, great. The spirit that we done somewhere in March, Peter, I think. Yes, March, April. Peter, that, that's that's great news. And uh, again, we'll, we'll wrap up and we appreciate everybody's time. But that's just another example. We went through them, right? The Cripple Creek win, $120,000 a year. Materian, a couple hundred thousand dollars a year uh, that we're already doing. Larry mentioned uh, some large potential down in Mexico at Cananea and El Baleo. Peter and Justin just talked about uh, this potential at a uh, polyus gold mine in Russia. Uh, we're going back and doing some more significant testing down at Pueblo Viejo. You know, the flock business there is, you know, just, it, 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 you know, it, it's mind blowing. So, um, again, we're doing these webinars to raise the awareness, impart a little bit of, uh, you know, some technical knowledge, highlight, uh, you know, the successes and, and what to look for. Um, and then, you know, connect you with the, the experts, the regional applications, the global applications, everybody in between to help support you. So uh, we'll, we'll do more of these webinar training. We will post this, uh, the video. Um, so we're, we're recording this. We will post the video. You can send it to your teams. You know, they can review it on their lunch hour or whenever. We will send the PowerPoint presentation out. We will send out some of the files that Larry referenced, as well as some of these support files. So all of this will go out. If you have additional questions, as Larry said, let's keep this a continuing dialogue. Let's use chatter. The great reason to use chatter is because if you have questions, we raise visibility to the rest of the 160 people in that community, as opposed to just a one-to-one -one conversation in an email. And so that visibility allows us to all learn and, and, and go through the experience. Don't be shy. Um, and if you guys have a suggestion on the next training call, let us know. We want to make sure that these are useful to you, both in the topics as well as the content. So we take all, all suggestions, uh, all ideas, and just hopefully you guys find value in this. So uh, with that, we'll end the conversation, but look for this on Chatter, and we look forward to continuing this dialogue. Thank you for attending the Mining Podcast. For further information, be sure to visit the IWT Technical Training Resources site under the Training tab for other training videos in the mining space.